Welcome to Footloose, the podcast where we chat with people living unconventional and nomadic lifestyles. I'm your host, Tim Bull, and I hope you'll join me as we hear stories from travellers from around the world. Welcome to this episode of Footloose. Today, we're going to be speaking with Hannah, who's a friend, uh, she's calling in from Germany, that we met last year during lockdown. Uh, Anna, perhaps you could give us a quick introduction about yourself and where did we meet you? It was the top of the Acropolis, if I believe. Yeah, it was the top of the Acropolis. Um, yeah, it was Corona winter, last winter. And when it got to March, I just really needed a change of wallpaper. So I decided to, since everybody in my company was working in home office anyways, was working from home. I decided that it wasn't going to be a problem if I sit in a different EU country, you know, similar time zone, um, similar sort of administrative situation legally. And so I decided on Greece because COVID numbers were low, or at least they were when I booked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they, they shot up real quick. But, and it was just a bit sunnier bit nicer than Berlin in the winter. Did you talk to your company about wanting to go and work from Greece or do you just win? Um, I did. I, you know, in Germany there are rules and you just, it's just better to stick to them. If you don't, you might really run into problems. So I talked to my boss. She said that it was okay. She asked her boss. Her boss said that it's okay. And so, and so I was free to go. Did you find that intimidating to, to do that? Or you, you felt like they would just say yes anyway, that there wasn't really any issue? I just thought that it wasn't going to hurt to ask. Like they can say no, and then of course it's a no. But I asked them before I booked, logically. So they said, yes, it's okay. And so I went. I think a lot of people at the time were thinking about doing that. My boss at the time, who's Portuguese, um, living in Germany, she also considered going back home as well. And so when you, um, you, know, when you landed in Athens then, you knew that you were still going to be working. And I believe you took a little bit of leave while you were there, maybe for a week or something. But for the most time, you were working the whole time, weren't you? Yeah, I think I only took a few days off. I was pretty much working the whole time. And the first week in Athens, it was a year ago. So the COVID situation was different. I hadn't been vaccinated. Nobody really had been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So I had to take a week of self-isolation and when I got out of that week, I was just desperate for, for, you know, a little bit of conversation, a little bit of company. Went to see the Acropolis, got myself a guide because I thought, you know, <laughs> at least it's something. Yeah. <laughs> but because I had haggled with the guide so much that I wasn't paying her that much. She said, she asked if it's okay if we, if we find other people to join our tour. And I said, yes, by all means. And then you and Karina joined. So that's that's how we met. On yeah, the Acropolis. That was, it was actually a it was actually a fun tour. I, I learned a lot of things about the Acropolis on that one. Um, mm. So back to the so back to the the traveling. It's very different, right? Yes. Traveling as a digital nomad, as someone who has to work, versus just going for a holiday, right? Like you have a lot of responsibility yeah. during the day. So how do you how do you sort of balance that? How did you balance that as you were working and traveling? In March, I was working very specific shifts. So I had to start at a certain point and end at a certain point. Mm -hmm. This would sometimes change um, every couple of days. So I could work around that. Um, 
maybe do something quick during lunch break, maybe mm -hmm. do something during the evening. But I've actually been back to Greece in November. So only a few months ago. And I spent the last week also working from Greece just to try out because I've changed jobs, I've changed position, and now I'm fairly flexible in my working hours. Mm -hmm. And the second time I tried working from Greece, it was a different situation. So what I did is I would, because it also got dark fairly soon. So after five or 6 p.m., I just couldn't really do anything outside in the dark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would get up at maybe 5 a.m. and then start at 6 a.m. and just do a tour until maybe 9.30 a.m. so that I could start working at 10 a.m. Right, which, Actually, which German would time, time though, with, so that would be... With the German yeah. 9 a.m. sort of starting time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, so you, you managed to sort of find a way that of doing that that mm. works for you. I mean, given given that, do you think it's... I mean, yeah, here's a question. Do you think it's worth it, right? You, you know, you, you're still doing sort of that nine to five... Mm. work in, in your working life you're just doing it from a different place you know is it is it yeah. worth the effort absolutely and I work in a very international team so even though I'm fairly settled by my standards in Berlin right now it's definitely a home base I'm just not sure how, how long I'm going to stay in Berlin permanently because mm -hmm. if everybody is working remotely anyways and everybody is sitting in different countries anyways, as long as I can make the um, time zone roughly line up, I'll, I'll be able to make it work, right? And I figure there are a lot of countries that are in roughly the German time zone. That's most of Europe, that's most of Africa, and I haven't really traveled to Africa yet, so, so who knows? Yeah. Maybe I haven't really taken active steps, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, this, this is something that I could be doing next. And is that uh, when, you know, when you're looking for places with that, I'm going to be a digital nomad in mind, does that sort of change what mm. you look for as well? Um, not really. Because I'm fairly new to the digital nomad. What I've done in the past is I've, um, I'll, I can give you a bit of the itinerary. So yeah. at 16, I did a high school year abroad in the US. So I just lived in a host family and went to high school as a normal teenager, just on a different continent than I had before. And at 19, I did a sort of gap year in Central America in Nicaragua. And there I worked as a volunteer in like an afternoon cultural center. And there I was also just, just sort of living there, being integrated into the place and the community and just a normal person living there and, and mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, working there as well yep. um, in my volunteer role. And then I had lived in Argentina and India respectively for one semester each as a student. And so I just went to university in those places where I also lived. And so being a digital nomad and actually working on my laptop in a sort of nine to five job I'm still kind of new to that. And I know that Karina and you, you like to spreadsheet your way into the best places to live and where it's best to go. And I think that's Eric, but you know. yeah, <laughs> Eric, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, for me, the 
unusual component in my lifestyle is just sort of the fact that I have made it back to Germany and that I live so close to where I was born now because that's not what I, not the part that I saw coming. So the, the, the unusual and unconventional life for you is actually living close to home. That's the bit that's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and where is home? I know that you have a long history in uh, Hamburg, right? Hamburg. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm from Hamburg. My family's from Hamburg, especially on my father's side. So that's just sort of where my roots are. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, India, they're all quite different places to be, I think, you know, Greece Mm -hmm. versus, um, you know, Spanish speaking, I guess, Spanish or Portuguese in Nicaragua and Spanish speaking. -speaking. Yes. Um, And then, you know, India, I imagine they're kind of quite contrasting, right? And the US Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know what 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 is it about those places when you went to them say you know take living in in central america for example what was something that really surprised you about it what was something that you um found actually surprisingly like home mm, that's a very good question ah so here's the thing when i first moved to nicaragua um I moved into a shared flat with a couple of volunteers who all came. So it was a German NGO that had connections to various local NGOs and then would coordinate volunteers with them. Mm -hmm. And so I approached the German NGO, the German NGO approached the cultural center and asked if it was okay if I would go there and volunteer because they were usually looking for volunteers. And What was nice about that is that the German NGO also had an office in the same town. So I wasn't completely left left alone. You know, I was able in a difficult situation to approach people there in that specific office. Mm -hmm. So this also was fairly calming to my mother that her at the time 19 year old daughter wasn't completely, completely alone, you know, (laughs) left left to whatever she imagined Latin America to be like. Yep. But So I came into the flat share with the other volunteers from the same German side of the NGO and they showed me my room and it was literally just a bed and a wooden chair, no shelves, no nothing. And, you know, cockroaches in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. ants in the kitchen. And as a, you know, fairly upper middle-class German girl, Yes, I had lived in the US before, but also in, you know, a sort of middle class, you know, medium income house. A place without cockroaches in the bathroom, or at least visible ones. Yeah. And like the cockroaches in Nicaragua are fairly big as well. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen smaller cockroaches in Argentina. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just remember seeing my room and thinking like, wow, I'm not sure if I can do this. But then you sort of adjust and get used to it and make it work. And since then, it's almost been a little bit of a challenge for me to push myself and see how little I can do with. Mm -hmm. So in India, for example, I lived on campus, which was super affordable. The university was amazing and they made it deliberately affordable so that everybody in India is financially able to attend. I spent, I think, 65 euros for the entire semester for rent for the room. Wow. 
but it just had just the bare minimum of things. So a lot of people that I studied with also moved out and eventually found themselves uh, their own place, maybe with air conditioning in the above 40 degrees Celsius Indian summer. Yep. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to make this work. I'll be fine. I can do this. I'll I'll see it as a challenge and you know, I'll just I'll just try to enjoy it and take it as a as an experience. I think that's a, a And then really, the second sorry, I was going to say it's a really interesting point because the um you know, certainly we've found that you know, in ourselves, like coming from you know a big family home, having all of our possessions and our furniture, and then there's something kind of liberating about letting go of all of that and moving into somewhere that's a little mm. more, you know, minimalist. And I wouldn't say that the apartment we're in at the moment is completely minimalist. It certainly mm. doesn't have cockroaches running through the bathroom, but uh, it's you know it's very different from from what we were used to and and it has been very liberating moving around and saying you know we can go wherever we want with a, a couple of bags and the dog we've we've got everything mm. we need to go and set up and um you know the the place that you're living isn't the experience right like that's just somewhere that you can come back and hopefully relax and sleep but it's getting out there and amongst everything that's what it's all about and that you don't need a lot of stuff to mm. do that Mm, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, just just to be accurate, I also want to point out that this is just my experience. There are absolutely beautiful homes in both India and Nicaragua that are nothing like what I described, but this was, was just my personal experience. I also just didn't have a lot of money to spend on those homes. Yeah, yeah no, I think so, so. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, but I <laughs> think I interrupted I say, you. You were, you were saying that the second thing was... Yeah, that's true. Um... And then I, there's another point that I would like to make after that, if that's okay, which is a bit <laughs> of a tangent, but I just <laughs> want to get it off my chest. Okay, yeah, great. Please. So, yeah, the second thing that I didn't expect in Nicaragua specifically was how hot it got. I remember thinking it's just too hot. I cannot exist in this. Will it ever go away? And then after a while, you just get used to it. And quite so, humid, I expect. Fairly tropical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's just something that I hadn't experienced before. Coming from but, Hamburg and mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, a hot summer there is what, 25 degrees? <laughs> yeah, basically, and rainy. <laughs> but Hamburg has this constant drizzle, you know, no tropical storms. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the other thing is that I wanted to say is that in your previ previous podcast episodes, I think you mentioned at the end of the episode that if people have questions or feedback, they can just write you on Twitter. Yeah. And leading up to this podcast, my biggest worry was that I was going to misrepresent one of the places that I had lived where people would say, um, maybe, maybe somebody from India, maybe somebody from New Delhi would say like, what is she saying? She completely misunderstood this. And so I just thought it would be cool if that, that person, because I also want to learn, right? I'm not perfect. I just lived there for half a year and my impression is just my impression. So it might be wrong that people can probably just write you an, on Twitter if they have feedback or I will if they have maybe... Know. You'll be relieved to know I've had no feed. Oh, no, that's not true, actually. I've had one person provide me feedback on Twitter so far. They're mm -hmm. Australian. Uh, the bulk of the audience at the <laughs> moment is from Lithuania. So <laughs> because really? of Eric. So that's been the most popular <laughs> so episode by far. Uh, according to 
according to Anchor, which is where I publish this, I don't have any listeners in Nicaragua at the moment. That may change. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think there might have been one person from India. So, you know, there's at least one Indian out there or one person in India. Listening How to fun. It, say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of interesting yeah. seeing where that's coming from. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So that was definitely something that, that surprised you, right? Like that you had to adapt mm-hmm. to, I guess, which is that the the living standards are, are different. And you know what? I don't mm-hmm. think it matters. Like I'll give you an, it doesn't matter whether it's um, going from sort of, you know, this middle-class place to somewhere else. Like th- this can happen going to going the other way. Like I, the number of times that we have struggled with the most basic things mm-hmm. traveling that have just surprised us and frustrated us. It doesn't matter where you go, whether you, you get very used to your own country and your own culture and the way in which things are, are done. And then when you move somewhere mm-hmm. new, they're not done that way. And it, you know, it, it could be the intricacies of navigating the metro system in Athens, right? Like, and it's just frustrating because you're like, why did you do it this way? I don't understand. Or, um, the one that always sticks in my head is whenever we go to the UK, uh, if we're in England, they have the most convoluted and complicated taps for turning on the water and getting the hot water running and the shower. And it's like you need a physics degree to work out how to manipulate the taps in the bathroom. And there have been times in the UK where it's like taking us 10 minutes to work out how to turn the goddamn shower on. And you're just like, <laughs> why is this so hard? I think but, I've even heard that they have two different faucets, one for hot water, one for cold water, right next to each other. That that, that frequently happens or as well. That? that does frequently happen <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, so, um, so, okay, so that was sort of into Nicaragua. And then, you know, in India, like, or it, actually all of the places that you've been, I mean, you're traveling as, you know, to quote your mother, a 19-year-old girl mm-hmm. at the time. You're not 19 now, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're a... a a young female, does that yeah. add a lot of stress to you when you travel or is it something that you really haven't had issues with and there are things that you do differently, do you think? Well, I do think that there are many things that I do differently. I think even in Germany as a young female out and about on her own or maybe walking home at night after a party or, mm-hmm. you know, a hobby or whatever it is that you've been doing out late. Um, like, even in Hamburg, like, my auntie gave me pepper spray saying, like, Hannah, just put this in your purse. And if you ever really need it, you have it. Mm-hmm. And so even in Germany, as a young woman in, you know, the 2000s when I grew up, when this first started happening 2010s that I that I might have stayed out late um yeah you are sort of taught to watch out for yourself a little bit and always think in advance about how you're going to go back home and how you're going to avoid certain risks so I guess traveling taught me two slightly opposing things first it taught me that people are really you know, sometimes you get into a bit of a situation where you're stuck and you just depend on somebody else helping you out Mm -hmm. just as a traveler who is young and doesn't really know what they're doing sometimes. You Um, can be old and not know what you're doing. Don't worry. (laughs) It doesn't go away. (laughs) 
especially in a new country where you know everywhere things are done differently yeah so sometimes you're just literally like i don't really know what to do now and you just sort of depend on other people and i've i found that people are really kind and generous um most of the time mm -hmm. i've also sort of learned at the same time not to be too trusting right. because at the very beginning beginning i was just very trusting and just sort of assumed that people weren't weren't going to have you know how do you say Bad certain intentions or, or right. certain certain like yeah yeah <laughs> i think yeah. I, i don't yeah. know i think you get what i mean yeah. but But yeah, I sort of learned to strike that balance a bit better than I had before, hopefully. And but certainly whatever, you yeah. know, the, the experiences that you've had haven't stopped you going back. I mean, you're talking about going through Nicaragua, mm. through Argentina, through India, uh, Greece, mm. not that Greece is, well, and Greece has its own challenges too, but uh, mm. it, it certainly hasn't stopped you wanting to keep traveling. No, absolutely. And I think you just have to learn some of those unspoken rules, like in Central America, especially in Nicaragua, especially in Granada, where I was living, it was a bit of a thing just because at the time my experience, especially as a young white woman, mm -hmm. because there was so much poverty, some people would see a white girl alone and think like, oh, surely she has a little bit of money or something valuable on her. Mm -hmm. And I literally don't know how to feed my family this evening. Yeah. And so there might have been a lot of theft. And so you just had to sort of learn which neighborhoods to avoid during which hours and what sorry, what precautions to take yeah. and by which time you should get home. And you, you sort of And I was, again, friends of mine from Granada provided me with this and helped me out in understanding this as well. So they would give me the phone number of their taxi driver of confidence. That's how they called it. And so whenever I needed a taxi driver during an odd hour or maybe to drive me to a different city, I had a number I could call somebody that I knew. Mm -hmm. And they would even, you know, do special prices sometimes because they knew me and... Yep. They like we had mutual friends or that kind of thing, so yeah, and, and you so, just have to learn. Yeah, based. Yeah. I mean, based on that experience, if you were traveling somewhere new, so let's let's say someone's listening to this right now and they're, you know, they're not mm -hmm. a, they don't consider themselves an experienced traveler. What would be your advice to them <laughs> when they were going to a new country? How do you how do you find your feet? How do you learn those unspoken unspoken sorry rules? Um, if you're not a traveler and if you go to a new country, then my advice would be to find a good hostel, you know, one that is fairly central, but mostly has a good common area and then talk to people, mm -hmm. make friends. I find that just making friends abroad, not with people you don't like, obviously, but just being friendly and going out there and saying hi to people and talking to other travelers, you can learn from their experience. Maybe talk to people who work at the hostel. Maybe there's an open bar night. Maybe you can also talk to the person who works at the hostel at a bartender. I'm not saying like flirt with them. I'm just saying say hi because they tend to be fairly sociable people and mm -hmm. they tend to 
enjoy showing people their hometown maybe and or you know giving people tips telling people where to go which are the nicest corners and so I'm saying be nice to people be kind to people be easy to talk to be you know try and be a little bit of in you know a little bit interesting you know make friends make yeah. friends because yeah. then you can learn from other people and you can get to know that place quicker and it might become a more enjoyable thing yeah I've so really learned right. to value social connection as as a form of because you asked what it's like to travel as a solo woman mm -hmm. and I've really found that making connections with other people is something that I personally also do for my own protection and my own safety. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot yeah, of sense. sense. And I think, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a, a good, safe, hopefully relatively safe environment in the hostel, right? Like it's somewhat yeah. controlled. It's other travelers, it's other people having experiences. You're not yeah. just, you're not just going out and befriending random strangers outside the train mm -hmm. station who are very friendly to you. Right, like exactly. it's, it's in that sort of environment where you 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 know what to expect. You you know you're putting yourself there, but when you're in there, mm -hmm. put yourself out there, be open to talking to people and, and and things like that. I imagine that's a difficult challenge. I spoke about that with Eric actually. Um, I think that that is a challenge for digital nomads sometimes because you know when things are are difficult, when it's hard, it's easy to kind of fall back onto the laptop and zero in on work you know there's like a comfort zone that's with you which is the laptop and that sort of virtual environment yeah that's true i've also found that when i'm traveling a lot sometimes i get a bit more just a little bit more recluse recluse just because i realize that there are so many new impressions and it just takes a minute for me to process and so i need i definitely need my downtime as well so Sometimes it takes a little bit of effort to do exactly what I just said and get out there and talk to people. Yeah. And, but... and that's one of the benefits of, um, it's one of the challenges, I guess, but also the benefits of, let's call it slow matting. I like that term. A lot of people have been talking about that with <laughs> me too. recently. Uh, where, you know, you have time to immerse yourself in that culture and Along with that, you have time to kind of step back from it and process. You're not on this strict agenda where I've got three days in Athens and I have to do X, Y, and Z. And also, mm. because I'm only here for three days, I'm frankly not going to take the time to talk to anyone anyway. I must see the Acropolis. I must see this museum. I must see this. So, you know, I think that's one mm. of the nice things about taking it slower. You get both of those. You get time to talk to people, but you also get time to step back and process and think about things. Absolutely. And my goal in traveling is, even when I'm on holiday, not really to go and see all of the sites and have a full itinerary, itinerary that's the word, from yes. the beginning, but to just sort of see what's out there and sort of be open to whatever might come my way. And again, there is a balance to strike between who to trust and how much to trust. But <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you find I, that sort of, you know, do you sort of as ever sort of feel yourself kind of having those moments of like, wow, this suddenly starts to make sense, right? You know, as you sort of process what's going mm -hmm. on and the culture and, and things that, you know, you look back at where you were at the beginning of the week and where you are at the end of the week and just feel like you have a, a more sort of tangible feel for what's really happening around you. Yeah. So my favorite way to travel and see other places is to actually live there for a while and just 
make friends there and you know at least do my do my best effort to learn the local language and that kind of stuff so just to be a normal person who lives there yeah you know what's it like to go to the supermarket here foreign supermarkets foreign as in the yeah. sense of not from your home country are always an adventure yeah trying to work out Absolutely. how they how they how they put things we were searching here in the supermarket for uh, um, powdered coconut powdered coconut mm. which Karina or ground coconut which Karina wanted for cooking and mm. in Australia that's always I think maybe because we use a lot of coconut in cooking for various things as sort of a flavoring component it's always in the cooking section right like with the flour and other things and the spices and stuff you'll find the powdered coconut because that's it's a cooking thing here in Greece it's not it's in the it's in the <laughs> sort of like nut snack section <laughs> I mean, they have it. it's just not where you expect it to be. And it makes yeah. sense, right? Like, I, I guess it makes sense that it's there. But it's also, in our mind, it's like, why is this not in the cooking section? And it took us 15 <laughs> minutes to find it and having to speak to people and have them understand what we were looking for and Googling images to show them what it was we were after <laughs> to work yeah. out where it was. Um, so when That's you were so in India then as a student... Um, you were there for, for six months, uh, you know, on that sort of just touching on that safety issue, you know, did, is on the campus, is it, does it feel very safe? Did you have any challenges there as a single woman or you found it was pretty good? I mean, you do hear some tough stories about traveling mm -hmm. in India. That's true. And again, my mom might've been a little bit worried and on campus, I was so lucky because the university was amazing. Um, on campus, there was security personnel sort of throughout more or less. And at all of the entrance points and exit points, you had to show sort of your student identification. Mm -hmm. So people around the campus told me at the time, like, look, JNU campus is the safest place in India. And of course I was, a little bit cautious, mm -hmm. but, you know, just, just the same amount of cautious that I would be if I was walking around, you know, city center Berlin at night alone. Yeah. But I could literally go anywhere alone without having to worry about my safety a lot. Off campus, it was a slightly different story. I tried to not go home alone at night. Mm -hmm. So if I was, you know, going somewhere out to a bar, maybe with other students, I always try to return with them and not on my own. Yeah. And you sort of usually took an Uber because it was perceived to be the safest. And then you would make sure that the license plates match and that the name and the and the photo matches the person that's actually inside the car. Um, yeah, so just things like good that. Good sensible just... precautions to take when it, wherever Absolutely. you're traveling, wherever you are. Absolutely. So, yeah. What's the uh, what's next on the agenda then? For Hana this year you know where, where do you have in mind to travel to <laughs> this year um we'll see really um I'll go skiing in March which will be the first time in a while just because of COVID and because yep. it didn't really seem skiing safe in Germany before. or or um, Switzerland or in France in France okay. um, it's a fairly big it's the area is called Travali. It's apparently the biggest ski region, the ski biggest area in the world, so I'm told. 
And, and, and is that just a pure like holiday or are you going to work there as well? Oh, no, that one's just going to be pure holiday. And hard, hard to ski and work on the laptop during the <laughs> Yeah, that's true. No, that one's going to be pure holiday. Whether I'm going to um, work from other places than Berlin this year, I'm honestly not sure. I, I hope so. And right now I just really like the flexibility. Mm -hmm. I... At the same time, I like my job and I like that it's definitely possible to work from somebody else. Like a colleague of mine is Australian, actually, mm -hmm. from Melbourne, and he's just gone back to Melbourne for a few weeks. But because of the time difference, he'll have to work at night and then sleep during odd hours. Yeah, I was going to say that <laughs> unless you have a night shift <laughs> or something like that, that one's very tough. So it's just good to know that it's possible and... As I said, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, there are many different countries that are sort of in the same time zone as Germany and the UK mm -hmm. and Central Europe. So, yeah, I just like knowing that I have the flexibility right now. I also want to be responsible because COVID again, yes, because of course. when I say that Africa would be a great you know, different African countries would be great places to travel for me right now. A lot of people in Africa don't have access to vaccines, for example. Yeah. And so I don't want to go there and cause any risk to the people there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is something that I'm also trying to be extremely cautious about. That's also why um, last year in March, when I came to Greece, that's specifically why I chose uh, an EU country, because I didn't want to pose a risk to a different country, um, you know, one that might have, might struggle a bit more with their health healthcare system, might have less access to, to care for people, and I did, just didn't want to, didn't want to be the person who brought, who brought a disease or something like that. Very, very, very responsible. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it is, it's a tough time to travel, right? Like I think COVID has created, just a whole bunch of difficulties even mm. even ignoring COVID right there's <laughs> yeah. just the the logistics and the planning and the difficulties of travel and is this open is this not open what do I have to do what tests do I need to have do, they do make that that quite a, a much more complicated yeah. proposition at the moment you know how, how do you think like longer term for, for your work do you think that it's going to stay more remote now it sounds like you you feel like it might I think it depends on where my career is headed, which I'm also enjoying how that's still pretty open mm -hmm. because right now I work for a pretty big Berlin startup. And so they're very techy and they like the idea of being fairly remote and they like the idea of being based in many different countries, even within the same team. Mm -hmm. And if I were to stay in that sort of work environment, I do think that being fully remote is definitely an option that I would not have to fight for. Right. But mid to longer term, I might eventually also find a job maybe for, you know, a government program, maybe for a foundation of some sorts, maybe for a think tank, maybe for an NGO. And those might not be remote jobs, mm -hmm. but probably the job would also not take place in Germany. I would be very down to 
take a job in, honestly, most places around the world because it's an adventure and it's exciting. Yeah. So, so right. So, yeah. So you don't necessarily see remote work as, as essential. It's more about where you can develop your career, but you're very happy to do that in, in different places, different cultures, different countries. Yes. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Um, so one, one sort of final question I've been talking to people about, you know, diet when you travel and mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, it's an interesting one for people when they're thinking about traveling for longer term, because, you know, when you travel to somewhere for a couple of days or for a week, it doesn't really matter what you eat, but obviously <laughs> if you're going to be there for, you know, for two, three, four, five weeks, if you eat out and you eat uh, heavy food all the time, that obviously mm. is a challenge. Uh, and then, of course, I know that you're vegetarian. Um, yes. So, you know, for you when you're traveling and, and finding that diet, how do you make that work? What are some of the challenges there for you? <laughs> it's definitely evolved over the time. I used to, back in Central America, because I just didn't have a lot of money, just when I was traveling, I spent money on, you know, I had a home base in Granada, but I would have to, for example go to Costa Rica every three months to renew my, my visa, mm-hmm. my like tourist visa in Nicaragua. A lot of people did that. Even people who live in, in Nicaragua permanently have to do that. So I just have to go to Costa Rica, which costs money. So I, I had less money to spend on other things. So I just went an entire week only eating cheap bread with sugar. <laughs> so just because I was, I was young, my stomach didn't care. And you know, it was filling enough. I, you sound like the wrong person to ask about healthy diets then while traveling. <laughs> but here is the thing. It's definitely evolved because by now I actually know how to cook and I actually have money now <laughs> enough to buy myself decent food. And yeah, generally it's part of why I enjoy staying in a place longer term because when I lived in Argentina, for example, a country famous for its meat mm-hmm. and for its steaks, I found all of these little little buffet-style places where you grab yourself a box and you fill that box with anything you like. And there's just there are just maybe, imagine 50 different little cartons with different food items in it. And so you can always pick and choose exactly what you like. And some of them were casserole style dishes where I just didn't know if they had meat inside or not and it didn't really have a sign saying what it was so I just stayed away from those and went to the ones that I could clearly identify so that actually turned out pretty easy in the end and in India it's a very vegetarian friendly country but what I really missed and this one is so cliche but German style bread because Indian bread is always warm, always fresh, always just fresh off the stove. It's amazing. But German style bread is just what I what I grew up with and yep. what I'm used to. And so I really missed that. And also European style cheese. Mm-hmm. So I would sometimes go to an international supermarket and spend fairly ridiculous amounts of money to have just bread and cheese for dinner. Or of course, I would usually eat Indian food, which is also amazing and very diverse, but it also doesn't have a lot of raw vegetables. It doesn't have a lot of fresh salads. And when it's just so warm outside, right? all I really want is a fresh salad. So Interesting. I would just sort of... Yeah, you're right. I guess yeah. a lot of curries and a lot of 
like cooked vegetables, but mm. not necessarily fresh. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes I would just, I also didn't have access to a kitchen in my student housing. Okay. They had a canteen with three warm meals a day, but incredibly affordable as well. But sometimes I just have to go to the supermarket and buy myself a cucumber and some carrots. So just sort of taking what's there, taking what's, what you're given. And I also really enjoy exploring local and regional foods and exploring a country through its food. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I just find that I need other things like just fresh uncooked vegetables. And then you just have to go find them. Yeah. You know, you yep. just have to make it work somehow. All right, Hannah, that, that's, uh, that's been a really fascinating look at, you know, your travel as, as a digital nomad and the different countries and how you've been, I guess, sort of wrapping up this interview. Is there anything that you wanted mm -hmm. to ask me? Yeah. Um, since you're a bit further along in your journey as somebody who's lived in different places and traveled a lot and worked as a digital nomad and now is just fully remote, you know, traveling the Mediterranean on a boat, that's, that's sort of generally the direction that I would also like to head long term. What sort of advice do you have for me? Make lots of money. Because <laughs> 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 it goes very, very fast. Um, you know, I think I've spoken to, on a more serious note, I mean, that, that is somewhat an element of truth in that, but I've spoken to a whole range of people so far and speaking to more and more of them about this. And I think that, I think that there's sort of, Two big camps, right? Like, there's there's probably mm -hmm. um, you know doing like just just getting out there and doing it. That's probably the that's probably I think the the first thing, which is just to sort of get out there and do it and try and engineer mm -hmm. opportunities. So for us, it's been looking at where can we work and travel at the same time. So for example, <laughs> in my career, finding an opportunity to go and work in the UK for a year, and that was a big part of. Mm -hmm introducing ourselves and the families to that sort of lifestyle. It was not particularly exotic, but for us it was very different and it let us explore Europe a lot because we could use mm. London as a base to get places. Um, you know, I think that there's more and more flexibility and options now um, where you can take your job and, as you say, you know, look at the time zone and move, but you have to be willing to do it, right? Like most people are not mm. as adventurous as you are. You know, to you... And to me, I think this feels very natural. This seems normal to want to travel. But most people aren't mm -hmm. like that, right? Like the hardest thing is actually just overcoming that that inertia, like that sort of sense of mm. I'm in my job, it's going on, I'm doing this. and so. But that's like one kind of category, which is working and traveling. And I think if you want to do that, the answer is go and do it. Don't don't wait. Just just <laughs> go and throw yourself into it. You're going to find that uh, very quickly it, it becomes a part of your life and a, a part of the experience and the way things should be and that you really start to mm -hmm. thrive on that challenge and you'll find more. As to doing what we're doing with the boat on the Mediterranean, um, and I've been speaking to a few people in what they call the, the fire community. It's not a term I was familiar with before. We would call ourselves accidental fire now, which is financially independent, <laughs> retiring early. Um, and the 
commonality amongst all of those people is that this has been a fairly long-term goal for them. That's why I call ourselves mm-hmm. accidental fire. We didn't really intend to retire. We just kind of realized we could. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of those people, it is something that they have detailed spreadsheets. They have very detailed plans. They've thought a lot about where am I going to be in 10 years from now? How am I going to make that money stretch out for the next sort of 20 years beyond that? And therefore to do that, you know, how much am I having to put aside? How much am I having to save? Where am I cutting back mm. now and things like that? So, you know, that that's another sort of that's another sort of option. We've been we've been fortunate in that we've been able to sort of do a bit of both of those. We've been able to travel whilst also ending up in a position where, you know, not working at the moment is a <clears throat> is a realistic or at least a realistic option for the, the next couple of years. We'll excuse me, we'll see how we go. <laughs> we might mm. have to go back to work again eventually, which I'm really hoping we don't. But uh, I don't know if that answers the question. Who knows, maybe your yeah, podcast hope... will become famous and you'll have sponsors well, that, and that could be coffee it, yeah, tour I mean, through Athens will take off. And, that's right. You know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm spinning a lot of plates at the moment. Um, you know, I'm running coffee tours where I'm losing money. I'm making podcasts that aren't doing, that are just for the fun of it. You know, <laughs> Really, really uh, entrepreneurial in all the worst sorts of ways or the best sorts of ways because I do what I do Mm. because it's fun. To be honest, I know how you are not, you don't like to sit still. And so in my mind, I went like, oh, okay, the weather in Athens got bad. You had to cancel your trips to Germany. So what was Tim going to do? Like (laughs) start a podcast, start a coffee tour just to keep yourself busy. And I just thought that's so funny and also kind of inspirational. Oh, thank you. It, 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 uh, I think it's very true to form. I, I think actually <laughs> probably what most people that know, we, know me would be most surprised about is not that I started the podcast, but it would be the mm. fact that we're actually up to episode number five and that I oh, didn't wow. just do one and stop because <laughs> that's probably more true to form. I'm a, great, I'm a great believer in starting things. I've not got a huge reputation for always finishing them. But, you know, I've in the past made the mistake of starting things and then feeling like I have to see them through to the end and sometimes just cancelling or saying like, hey, this this isn't working. What else can we do? Might have been the better option. So, yeah, I absolutely th- think it's legit to start something and then see how it goes and maybe cancel it if it's not working the way that you're hoping to. So, Well, you know, the bit that I, that I love sense. the most about it is it's been this opportunity to talk with people like yourself where... Uh, you know, I feel like I know you, but I feel like after this, I know you a lot better. And oh, thank that's you. actually what's really great, like getting to know and understand people um, and learn a little bit more about mm. their experiences in, in traveling and, and, you know, what drives them and motivates them to do what they do. So <laughs> that sort of wraps up, you know, brings us to kind of the, the mm. right sort of length for this, this conversation. But is there any final thoughts for for you? I mean, I'll, I'll reflect that question back on you. You know, if you were talking to a 19-year-old you who was going to be a digital nomad, what would you be saying mm. to them? What would be the advice you would give them? Oh, good question. Let me think for a second. I think I would tell her to listen to people a bit more sometimes and be a little bit more sensitive to where other people are coming from. And I don't think I've I've judged other, you know, cultures, other people very quickly in the past, but to also better reflect on where I'm coming from. And so the 
the idea of me and my background that people are encountering me with when I'm in their country, you know, to maybe also realize that, and I don't think there were, you know, super major hiccups there, but to realize that I am the guest in their country. And so it is my responsibility to adjust and integrate myself first. Not that I have to give up everything I stand for, but to, you know, just be aware of, of that a little bit. Um, and the second thing definitely would be to stick to my own truth and not have people tell me, on the other hand, um, what to think and what to believe. But when I see something, maybe when I see somebody treating me badly or being unkind to me, that I also should stick up for myself a little bit more. And this is maybe also a woman traveling alone that, you know, you want people to like you and you want to people please sometimes. But when somebody isn't good to me, that it's okay for me to cut them off. And if somebody is, you know, maybe not good for me, then it's okay for me to cut them off, even though they are maybe more powerful than me in the community. And even though they will probably very much dislike me afterwards, it's okay for people to dislike me as well. But I also have to just stick up for myself sometimes. Excellent. So. I think that that's, that's great advice for anybody. And uh, I find mm -hmm. it hard to believe that anyone could dislike you, Hannah. But it's oh, been absolutely you. pleasure. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It's been it's been a real honor. I was I was a bit nervous coming in, if I'm honest. <laughs> but done, it's been a really nice experience. Well. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Footloose. Feedback is always welcome at Timbull on Twitter. That's T-I-M-B-U-L-L. -L. Catch you next time. Thank you.